Welcome to season two of Through the Marketing Lens podcast, your go-to weekly business podcast that's fluff-free, to the point, and filled to the brim with real strategies and honest experiences that will help you in your business. We keep most episodes bite-sized because I know you're busy. I'm Katrina Aronson, your host and a marketing and business strategy coach for small business entrepreneurs. I've started and scaled my own multi-six-figure businesses before even becoming a coach. And my deepest desire is to help women to have the tools and the confidence to do whatever is on their heart and make money doing it. Let's jump into today's episode. Oh, hello there, and welcome to today's episode of Through the Marketing Lens. And if you're new here, welcome. If you're coming back, thank you so much for being here. So most of our episodes are short and potent, under 20 minutes. But the last episode of the month, I interview somebody that is doing their thing, badass entrepreneur, and I get to go inside of their brain and ask them how. What's working for them, what isn't, and what are the secrets of their craft that have made them so successful? These are real questions in real time, not scripted. Today, I'm interviewing Phoebe Sherman. She is the founder of Girl Gang Craft, which is a community for creatives. They host craft fairs and summits, have a podcast, they host classes, they have a membership, plus a feminist apparel line. Girl Gang Craft is a really cool example of building a community, which is what we are talking about today, and then why this is so impactful for businesses to do. And this really is the new way of thinking in business. It's outpacing that old school mindset of build it and they will come, right? And we all know that, but how to build a community and what that really means is what we're talking about today. What I want to bring up is, you know, we talk about this all the time that people are craving connection more than ever. And yet with all of these uh, ways of staying connected, we are more separate than ever. So as a business, if you are able to actually tap into that desire to connect through lots of things, but certainly through community, you're going to reap the benefits. Okay. So this is um, what I, let's talk about an example. So let's talk about influencers. That's a really, um, obvious way that we're seeing community being built. So we are watching what they do. We're probably engaging with them. They're not necessarily selling you a product every time they're posting or sharing their content. And you probably learn all their kids' names and ages, where they live. And then when they go to sell something, you are far more likely to buy from them at that point because you've invested in them, they've probably engaged with you back. There is a community of like-minded people, people who are interested in this lane that they are posting about, and they've created this community through their virtual space, wherever that is. And Phoebe and I talk about the different ways that you can build this community. So it does not have to be through an influencer, okay? I just want to say that. Um, So no matter what stage of business you are in, this episode is going to help you to wrap your head around what community truly is and then how to bring it into your business. So with that, let's take it to the conversation. All right. Hello, Phoebe. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited for this conversation. 
Thank you so much for having me. So good to be here. So good to connect with you again. So good. So good. So I was actually on your podcast, which was really, really fun. So I love getting to do these like swaps with you and now I get to pick your brain. Um, and as we know, you own girl gang craft, which is a community for creatives. And, um, I want to understand so much about your business, but before we get there, can you, in your own words, tell us how did you get to where you are today with your business? Yeah. So I was a yoga teacher right after college. Um, I was waitressing to pay the bills. I knew that I wanted to teach yoga and do art, but I studied printmaking in college and after college printmaking involves like a lot of stuff, like a lot of heavy equipment and systems and like a studio, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted something to do with my hands. So I started making jewelry and it wasn't the best jewelry. It was <laughs> not great jewelry, but people kind of were into it because I think my aesthetic is, um, is uh, resonated with people. Um, so I was doing jewelry and sort of starting the craft fair world in the Bay area, California. And fast forward a little bit around the election, 2016 election, um, when Trump called Hillary a nasty woman, I made a print. I did find a print studio at that point and was sort of dabbling with it a little bit. Um, And that print, you know, sort of came with me through my own activism, going to Women's March, et cetera. And that sort of emblem became one of our first... uh, items that we make. It became, I was making it little bags and then I was sewing, making them into patches and sewing them on vintage jackets. And now we have a pin. Um, so that was sort of my first like dive into apparel or making, um, that kind of stuck. Um, and yeah, so I started doing the crafters with that stuff, um, under my own name and sort of exploring what it meant to be an artist and sell my work. And uh, was finding that the craft fair world was pretty expensive and exclusive. I wasn't always getting in. And some of these craft fairs are like $800 for the weekend. And, you know, I was, I was like trying to pay my rent. <laughs> you know, like I was, like I was not able to pay $800 for a weekend back then. Um, so I decided to do it myself and I had sort of, you know, made some friends for doing, for doing some of the craft fairs and, uh, gathered 15 of my maker friends in a cafe in Oakland. And that was the first girl gang craft. And, you know, so that was, and we liked it. <laughs> and so we did it again. And then we did it again and we kept on getting bigger. Um, and then fast forward, we had, you know, we now have 120 vendors in our Oakland location. We do it twice a year. Uh, and I recently moved to Salem, Massachusetts. So we're also having our first craft fair here in May as well. And yeah, that's sort of, that's the, those are the seeds of my story. So cool. So cool. So there's so much to pick apart there, but the first thing that stood out to me was you saw a problem, which was craft fairs were too expensive and you pulled together 15 friends. So talk to me about that mindset there of just like, I'm not waiting for perfect. And how did that first one go? Like what came of that? Yeah, our friends owned this cafe in Oakland and it's a really cool spot. And um, one of the things about events is that there's a lot of red tape, 
especially if you're doing like alcohol and sound as a whole, it's a whole thing. I had no idea about any of that stuff starting out, but I knew that I wanted a place that had, um, drinks and food and they're good friends of ours. Um, and we just wanted to bring people into the cafe. Um, it was terrifying. I don't, <laughs> like, it was a terrifying thing. Um, but it was fun. I remember, you know, it was just going to be casual. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's name this. Let's start an Instagram. I'll, I discovered Canva. I was like, I'll make some flyers. And we just did it. And I don't know what more to say about that, except I just sort of like took a deep breath and hoped it wouldn't fail. And I'm still doing that now, especially as we yeah. started on a new coast, you know, I'm still like, okay, I hope people come. I have, I've learned all these things since then. And I, you know, think I know how to get people there, but like, that's the scariest part. I can get vendors in a space all the time, <laughs> but getting people through the door, people who are interested in the art, that was always, and is still the scariest part to me too. Like, I hope people show up. Oh my mm. God, I'm going to be a failure if no one shows up. Oh my God. What if my artists make no money? Like that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to the community aspect of it. So when you are building out this community, are you pulling in that community to your events specifically? Is it a different um, audience that you're pulling in? What does that look like? Yeah. So I like to think of our audience specifically for Girl Gang Craft as having two major audiences. Um, we have the creatives, the people who are potentially selling other events um, or who may are working towards selling other events. Um, or people who take our classes or courses or, or, or listen to our podcast, right? We call these the small business owners. And we also have the small business lovers. And there is a lot of crossover, right? Like small business owners love to support other small business owners. There's people who are like, have the inkling of the idea that they maybe want to move towards this. And mm-hmm. um, those that's a scarier audience for me, the people mm-hmm. who aren't into entrepreneurship, but I have to tap into because... Um, the creatives are me, right? Like those are circles that are very much aligned with me and I can, I can feel that out. Um, but the small business lovers are difficult and bringing in those people physically, right. To our craft fairs or even to our website to shop. Those are a little bit stranger to me. So I do have to like figure out how to put myself in that shoot. And one of the ways that I did that starting out is again, I was a yoga teacher. So I really pulled from my yoga studio to bring people to these spaces. That was like the main way um, when I first started out. So I was teaching classes and just, you know, telling everyone about my events. Um, And it helped that they were close by physically, Um, you know, had flyers up. We we love paper products still. I I will put up flyers in our cities for sure to get people at our events. So definitely like, like yoga is adjacent, right? Like those are people who are maybe, um, into community generally, right. Into locality, um, you know, want to shop. And so physically telling those people, obviously, of course, word of mouth in our spaces, um, has also, you know, worked out. It's so interesting to hear you know, different ways to actually work for you. And I guess to back up and really go into the community part and starting from ground floor here, let's define what community is to you. And I don't mean to put you on the spot with that. Let It's totally fluid, but 
what does that mean to you as I ask you questions like how do you develop your community? Like what what is the word community? I think that's a great question. Um I don't know. Like right now I'm just thinking of it as being a feeling, which is like maybe adjacent to the answer. And I think I think community is sort of like this elusive thing a little bit. Um but it's also very concrete. <laughs> now I get it. Now I'm getting a little philosophical, but um, I think it's just one of my, the reason I think GGC has been successful to this point is because I'm not scared to talk to people. And that's mm-hmm. always been a trait of mine. Um, and I, I've had to, right. As a yoga teacher, as a waitress, you have to talk to people and you know, I'm the kind of person who at other people's crafters, I will go around and introduce myself to every single vendor there and just put like a name to face or face to name and just like tell them what I do just so it's sort of like in their other. Um, and like, if you're a product-based business, I highly recommend wearing your products as much as possible. Like even in the ceramic studio, right. Wearing my sweatshirt the other day and I met this woman and she's like, she's chatting with me. And then she like looks me up on Instagram and she's like, my daughter follows you, which is <laughs> hilarious. And she was so excited about it. Right. So like, there's these little like webs of connection. And I think it's all about just building on top of them. Yeah. Um, I love what you said yeah. though. The first thing that came out of your mind at mouth, just like it was like beautiful. You said a feeling. And I think that defines so much of what a community is with, I know that sounds very vague, but if you really think about it's who makes you feel warm, who makes you feel happy, that's your community. And as a brand, we try to make it concrete. It's not always concrete. And people think of it as like, oh, it's the people that follow me on Instagram. And that's kind of why I wanted to go into what is a community because it gets confusing, right? Like you might have many people following you on Instagram, but they're not engaged. So how do we really define community as a brand? Um, And I I love the way you pulled it apart. This is my personal community. This is my business's community. And they are two different things. But when we, we show our face in our brand, that gets confusing, right? So it's kind of, it's this new world that we've entered. And especially since it's been so hypersped since COVID, because we aren't in so many places anymore, right? So the networking has kind of changed and shifted and how you're putting yourself out there has um, progressed pretty quickly because you have to be showing up constantly on video and all these different things And, um, so I'd love to get your take on how in between these craft fairs where you get this, um, amazing sense of community that's in person, what are you doing in between to make sure that you're really nurturing that community, um, for your business? Yeah, that is, that is the question. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I can talk about my personal experience for COVID, right? So like we didn't have craft fairs for a year and a half. Um, and it was terrifying because that I had actually just quit my yoga, yoga teaching, uh, like December of 2019. 
mm-hmm. going full time into GGC. And because I thought I could rely on my event revenue, right? <laughs> and little did we know. Um, and I did get some financial support from the government, right? I got some PPP, I got unemployment, and that was, I'm so, 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 so grateful for that because that gave me a little bit of padding um, to figure out what to do. Um, I had sort of known initially before COVID that I wanted to like move into the course realm and move into the podcast world and like become a little bit more of a digital brand as well as our in-person events. Um, So there was some direction there. But so as soon as, you know, March happened, podcast, podcast was priority. Um, Podcast was really integral in me finding my voice, I think. And also just, again, that community aspect, because I had just reached out to all these people who sort of circle around um, our community adjacently, pretty locally in Oakland. Um, And then I tried to do some classes. I just tried to host some classes. I taught a couple branding classes in person pre-COVID. And then I just sort of like hosted Zooms, like very casual, got some Zooms on, realized I sort of liked staying with the same group of people for a chunk of time. And so we got uh, our level up course up, which is like a six weeks course talking about a lot of marketing techniques and branding. Um, So we sort of like developed this, uh, this online infrastructure in sort of the classes education realm. Um, Plus, you know, we had lost partnership income because we had all these partners from our physical events. I was like, okay, So like now we're kind of influencers now and we kind of have to like figure out how to do like digital offerings, right? And then like adjacent to all of this like infrastructure, if you will, we had to make sure that people still knew that we cared about them. So one of the first things I did was like just a fun activity. We did sort of like a, we called it secret shelter in place. And it was just like a secret Santa with a bunch of makers. And we just all got to like make something for someone else. And it was really beautiful. And we're doing it again in our membership right now, um, which is kind of fun, a Galentine's version. But yeah, so I think it was like, you know, our community, I mean, I myself had been, was terrified, right? My partner had gotten laid off for a chunk of time to, um, you know, we had no idea what was happening. And if I'm terrified, I know our community is like even more terrified, and especially because a lot of our community had been like me a couple of years ago was like in the service industry or was in some sort of industry that had also gotten shut down. And so now they had to figure out how to make things and, you know, make money doing what they make and what they like and like figure out how to pay for their life. And it was terrifying. Um, so our job as like a human and a brand was just to like be there for our community and help them strategize how to make money online um, and to make them feel like they had other people to lean on, that they weren't alone because we were literally all alone, right? Physically in our houses. Um, So yeah, that was sort of our strategy in that time. I think I'm kind of going in circles, but no, this is, it's (laughs) not going in circles. I think like, wow, it just, it, it came to the forefront so much when you said, we just wanted to show them that we, we cared, right? Cause that's, that's what community is. Like we just talked about the feeling and it's really like, it's okay. How do we remind everyone? Like we are humans 
and we're not just a brand, right? And that's, it's hard to do as a brand, but I love what you're saying. Like giving, you know, showing that you are human through many different things, like the, the gift giving. I think that's so cool. So are you showing this like on your stories so that people can see it? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, the gift thingy giving was, yeah, a small project. So I think everyone did sort of show it on their stories. We didn't make a big like to do about the unboxing. Um, it was just sort of like a, an offering from us without like asking for, like, we didn't want anything in return for that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then I do want to say too, because I think we were talking about video earlier, um, and strategically too, about showing us that we're human, right. Showing that, uh, that there's a human behind the brand. Um, obviously reels happened in this time, right. TikTok happened in this time. So, and I personally had stepped up to a podcast host to a leader, right. I'm teaching things. I have, I have to know other things and, and like, tell other people that I can tell them things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to, you know, step up, um, and show that I was a human and that I was an expert in my field and knowledgeable and understood their pain points. And I had to keep on showing up. Right. Um, and that's, that's sort of what the video is leading towards right now. It's a really, uh, good, powerful, impactful way to show up for your community. Um, as, as a human, as an expert in your field, as the person behind the brand, as a creative. Um, yeah. So you're and in reels. So with reels coming up, did that become like a major part of your, your strategy? How did you use that in your community? Yeah, it definitely is now. Um, and we're working on a reels TikTok course coming out hopefully very shortly. Um, so TBD on that. Um, I think it was a little bit like after I personally got over the hump of, okay, now we have like new infrastructure. So I had been maybe dabbling a little bit. I didn't take reels or TikTok seriously until this past summer. Um, and I started taking TikTok seriously, at least in like September and I, once I started taking it seriously, I grew to 5k in five weeks, you know, mm -hmm. which is wild. And like, that has not happened on Instagram, at least for me. I know some people grow, um, pretty exponentially with reels that, that hasn't happened to us specifically, but I think, I know that video makes an impact. Um, whether you're a product-based business or a service-based business, whether you're showing your face or just showing your product, although I am someone who, um, emphasizes and strongly suggests that you show your face on social. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can sort of step up into that if that's terrifying for you. And I get it. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's become an integral part of our strategy. And I know it's also uh, terrifying for people to try this whole new medium for so many reasons, right? Imposter syndrome, the tech, you know, caring about how you look on camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know it's a big hurdle. Um, but I know the impact can be really strong and definitely we, we saw that it's a huge, uh, hurdle for people in our community. So that's why we are stepping up to be able to, uh, offer solutions. Awesome. 
Um, speaking of solutions, can you share what it is? This is like perfect timing for you to explain what you have generously offered us. Oh yeah. So one of the other hurdles that I see and hear from, from our community is what do I post? What do I post? How am I supposed to post every day or how many times a day? Like, what do I even talk about? Um, so I've created this beautiful digital worksheet. Um, with the link that we'll give you, you get a digital worksheet, or if you're someone who likes pen to paper, you can print it out and draw all over it. And that's great too. Um, and it's 120, 120 days of content. And it seriously will help you come up with 120 days of content. So, you know, that's a third of the year. You could even just do the same thing two more times for the year. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to repeat things and you should repeat things. So Anyways, um, it's a beautiful flowchart worksheet that helps you come up with your content pillars, your content topics, um, and then the minute content that you come up with. So um, oh, I'll put the link. I'll give you the link so you can put it on your show notes Perfect. or whatever. I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes. So speaking on the content for a moment, because it's so related to community. So how are you listening to what your community needs? Are you sending out surveys? Are you asking in stories? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, we love surveys. We, we always send out a survey after our craft fairs or after, um, our activations, like our classes or, uh, our, our holiday gift guide. We love to get information from people, you know, quick Google form, send it out. You know, you might have to send out a couple of reminders. People don't always do it all the time. But yeah, we love a survey. We do definitely do polls and we just pay attention. Like we pay attention to what people comment on, what they're asking for. Um, you know, we do our best to sort of take some of the things with a grain of salt. Obviously, we can't do everything. Obviously, not everyone has nice things to say all the time. Um, sometimes people don't understand, you know business, <laughs> like, you know, give away everything for free. Like we have to, you know, we still have to charge your, you all booth fees for our events. We have, you know, bills to pay and a, a venue to pay for. Um, but we just pay attention and I would suggest you just, you know, pay attention to your community all the time. Um, what, and, and that's a really good way to figure out what you can do for content, right? Like what are the people, what are the questions people ask you? Um, what content are they engaging with the most? Um, what content is not being engaged with. Um, I mean, FAQs are gold, right? The questions that you're getting all the time turn into content, you know? One of the things you just said about, you know, when you get out, when you send out surveys, I love surveys too. I love asking people, but feedback is also really, really dangerous because we often will want to, oh gosh, we need to change all the things. But I truly believe that nurturing is about listening and creating for them. It's not about changing who you are or changing what your values are or, um, pleasing everybody. Right. We, that's really tricky in business is like, you're not actually here to please everybody, but yes, you are supposed to listen and create. So I just love to hear your take on that. Yeah, it's hard. People are always going to be upset about something. And it's definitely a great opportunity for you to understand what you care about deeply. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you can't please everyone. And 
you know, there, there are people you have to listen to. And especially as, as white people, we have to listen to people of color when they have feedback. Absolutely. Um, but there's also people who are just trolling or who just don't understand the business. Like I said, um, and, or there's things that you've built your business on or are passionate about, um, that, yeah, you have to, you have to stay with your inner compass and that's really hard. Um, you have to figure out how you trust your gut. That's, that's like the number one thing that you can do for your business. Like, how do you know when something's right? How do you know when something's wrong? How do you check in with yourself? Um, and it's, it's hard and it will be a lifelong journey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about growing your community. Like the, the, you know, we talk about how to nurture, we talk about what it is, but I think what are a lot of people struggle is like, I'm starting from not having a community or my community is really inactive. So what are some of the things that you've done that really have worked to help you to grow your, your community and for them to stay active? Yeah. I mean, in-person things, I think craft fairs specifically are a great way to connect with other people. If you're a product-based business, or even if you're a service-based business, like you can totally have a booth. Um, you know, we have a lot of service-based witches and healers or people who are just promoting their organizations. You know, I think there's value at being in-person events. Um, that can also be attending other conferences or other networking events, um, in person. Um, also online, uh, check out Facebook groups. Uh, I love a good Facebook group. We have one. Um, I also really enjoy create cultivate Facebook group. They have a lot of things. There's tons of moms groups on Facebook. Those are like the most active ones. Um, (laughs) um, if you're an introvert, I know it's a hurdle for you. Um, and maybe you're more comfortable online. Maybe you just start engaging with people, uh, through Instagram. You know, I encourage you to, you know, say a few words instead of just like an emoji and like, just chat with people. And yeah, um, yeah, for sure. What about actually like moving the needle and how many followers that you have? Um, and like, what are some of the things that you've done that have actually worked? We hear so many different tactics and tools, so more about commu- like getting the right people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly it. Getting the right people. So, listen, social media is the long game. You know, I think we see people who have like grown exponentially in a short period of time and that's really cool and beautiful, but that's not everyone. Um, I also think, you know, the people who grow exponentially, did they have the infrastructure to support that growth? Like that's mm-hmm. a scary thing, you know, like, that's kind of relieving for me. It's like, okay, I want to make sure that I have all my systems in place to support the influx of new people. Right. Um, and that's a whole other conversation about making sure you have funnels and whatever, and your products, blah, blah, blah. Um, but some people grow slow and steady and that's great, you know? So thinking about if that's actually even what you want, do you want exponential growth right now? The answer might not be yes. So but, you know, there's a lot of people who that say followers don't matter, followers do. The right customer matters. You want your little pool of people to convert, right? You want people to be hanging around you and coming to your events and 
engaging with your posts and being involved and buying things, right? If you're running a business, the goal is to make money, right? So you want people to buy things. Um, Tangible ways that I've grown, TikTok. TikTok is a great way to grow. Um, I have a completely different audience on TikTok than I do on Instagram. And I think that is really valuable. And I think that's a really cool experiment to like figure out uh, how you can serve those people as well. Because maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe it's slightly different. Um, I like to, I'm a, I speak. So I speak at uh, workshops and conferences. Um, recently, I spoke at the Adobe uh, conference. And that was a really beautiful experience because, you know, they paid me for my time. And it also converted in a lot of new followers. And uh, yeah, and then yesterday, at the time of this recording, I spoke with at a Planoly workshop. And Planoly is someone I've been, you know, they're a Instagram planning app, if you don't know about them, we love Planoly. And I've been using them like, the whole time I've ever had, you know, an Instagram for a business. And I knew that I wanted to work with them for a long time. Like I was like chasing them for a while, like popping up in their emails, like blah, blah, blah. And like nothing really happened for a year. And then finally, you know, a lot of opportunities sort of arose. Um, They asked me to teach a Reels workshop yesterday and it was very successful. They had maybe 2000 people signed up. Um, And I'm just going to give numbers because I I like numbers. (laughs) So they had like 2000 people signed up, 500 people showed up. Um, I made sure I had infrastructure to, uh, to serve these people so that they stay in my little circle. So I offered them the same worksheet that I'm offering you all the 120 days of content, um, which we are now charging on our site, but we're offering that to you guys free. And we offered it to the Planoly Workshop for free. (laughs) And, uh, we had 500 email signups. So like mm-hmm. overnight, we got 500 email signups, which is huge. Um, and those people all get put in a funnel. So they learn more about us. Um, and an uptick in, you know, my personal social on Instagram and GGC. Um, and so those are people who have raised their hands and said, I'm interested in what you're offering. Um, and so those are, those are, um, you know, they're not just like a random follower. They're people who have already heard you speak, are already sort of interested in what you have, and they're going to stick around. Um, so mm-hmm. those are the people that you really want to continue to collect. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And it all comes back to positioning yourself as an expert, which is something I just love. And I push wherever you can to really show yourself as the expert that you are. Cool. Thank you so, so, so much for being here and letting us pick your brain. I am so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So I hope this episode got you really thinking about how to create more connectedness in your business. I know it did for me, which is always something that is so central in the way that I think, but Phoebe has so much great insight So thank you so much for trusting me with your precious time. Please share this episode with anyone and everyone that it might inspire or help. Thank you so much for posting about us in your Instagram stories. Keep tagging me at Katrina Aronson underscore consulting. We cannot grow without you. 
I hope you continue to shift your perspective and grow both personally and professionally. I'm honored to be part of your journey, all things business, life, mindset, seeing it through the marketing lens. I will see you back here next Tuesday for a new episode. Okay, wait, before we move on, I want to ask you to do two things for me today. Subscribe to this podcast. And if you like what you hear, rate us wherever you listen. We appreciate your five-star reviews so much. I read each one and I could not be more grateful for you.